Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you Amazing. in some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the burner, less lethal pistol launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. This is the Sean Hannity Show podcast. So we got this big, we got this alliance now between Cruz and Kasich. It's not one that I think a lot of people saw coming, but I think it's it's absolutely fine. The New York Times points out this this signals a major shift in tone from the Cruz campaign towards Kasich. Remember, Cruz was pretty tough in calling him a spoiler. This is, you know, go back. This is what Cruz said about Kasich back at the time. Facts are stubborn things. Uh, John Kasich is a good man. He's an honorable man, but he has no path to the nomination. It's mathematically impossible for John Kasich to become the Republican nominee. He needs more than 100 percent of the remaining delegates. And it's worth remembering, Kasich went 0 for 27, lost 27 states in a row. Then he, then he won his home state. And then last night he lost again overwhelmingly in both Utah and Arizona. All right. So then he was a spoiler, but I guess it looks like the spoiler now has become a partner and the strategy is is to stop Trump from getting to 1237. Now, it's clearly not a partnership of close friendship, but one of necessity, if anything else. But Kasich's campaign had broached the idea last month. According to The Times, the Cruz campaign rejected the offer. And I guess the reason it was was accepted now is because of Indiana. And uh, that state now appears to be the do-or-die uh, state in terms of the Cruz campaign and the stop Trump effort. Now, a lot is going to be contingent on what happens tomorrow night, but Tuesday's primaries could be very good for Donald Trump and not so good for Hillary Clinton. 
I mean, the Democratic races in Connecticut and Rhode Island appear to be toss-ups. Clinton has a 48-46 lead over Bernie in Connecticut, thanks in large part to a 63-24 advantage among African Americans. But in Rhode Island, it's Sanders who has a 49-45 lead. So while Trump is up again, he's up competitively in every state by 20 to 30 points. So tomorrow doesn't seem like it's going to be difficult for him in any way. But, well, again, you have to wait for people to vote and the numbers to come in, and we'll see where we are after tomorrow night. Um, So we had a Fox News poll last week that showed in the state of Indiana, Trump was leading Cruz 41 to 33 percent, an eight-point lead. Kasich had 16 percent. Without Kasich, it's now a two-point contest, and that move would allow Cruz to focus next week solely on Indiana, there's a report out that a Cruz-supporting PAC is going to spend about $1.6 million for him in the state of Indiana alone. And Kasich is ceding the field to him there. For Kasich's part, he knows he can't win unless there's a brokered convention, so that explains his interest in an alliance, at least temporarily, with Ted Cruz. Remember, if we get to a brokered convention, it's all gloves are off and all bets are off, and friendships will quickly become rivalries once again. Um, But it does make the whole thing fascinating. Kasich will focus his attention out west. And uh, together, Cruz and Kasich are forcing Trump to decide where he's going to spend his time and his energy and his resources. And for his part, uh, Donald Trump is, uh, you know, kind of lashing out at both of them. Not in a bad way. He's basically saying this is uh, an act of desperation. And in many ways, he's kind of right. I mean, in many ways. After tomorrow, if if Trump is near a thousand and that's pre-California and that's pre-New Jersey and pre-West Virginia states that I think are favorable to him, then you got New Mexico, Nebraska and Oregon and Washington. You know, it's hard to see how he doesn't get to 1237, especially if he were to win Indiana. So, um, you know, where, you know, it the race is intense and close and both Cruz and Kasich are trailing Trump. So they know they have to find a way to stop him. If they have any chance, both Cruz and Kasich know they have to get to a brokered convention. That's where we are. Now, where Trump might be wrong is to frame this effort as somehow unusual. Um, in 2008, remember Mike Huckabee? He stayed in the race long after it was clear he wasn't going to win the nomination. And he did it in order to keep Mitt Romney from overtaking John McCain and becoming the Republican nominee. People forget that. That was not that long ago. And there was very bad blood between Huckabee and Romney. In the 76 GOP convention between Reagan and Gerald Ford, include, that included all sorts of maneuvering. Reagan selecting a, a liberal Republican, uh, Richard Schweiker, to be his vice presidential nominee because Reagan hoped that Schweiker would help him win Pennsylvania in the nomination because Reagan hoped that that would happen. And he barely lost to Gerald Ford, a sitting president that year. You want a little more history. Lincoln did a lot of wheeling and dealing to win the nomination in 1860 when he went uh, into the nomination trailing William Seward, the front runner from New York. Sound familiar? So what Cruz and Kasich are doing is within the rules. Anybody that tells you differently is wrong. And we all know that that probably, I guess, because things are so contentious that it's fairly predictable at this point. Um, But whether you like this gambit or not, probably 
is determining on where you stand in the race. In other words, if you're a Trump supporter, you probably don't like it. Because you can also, I think, argue that the establishment wants a brokered convention for very different reasons. They want a white knight candidate, and many have been very vocal about that. If you're a Cruz or Kasich supporter, you like the idea because you think that it has a possibility of working. If you're neutral in the race, you find it fascinating, and maybe you're just eager to see how, how it all plays out. Is it going to work? Who has, I don't know. It's not going to have any impact from what I can see on tomorrow's races. And you've got five big states, Pennsylvania being the big one. We're going to have some Pennsylvania delegates in the next hour. Now, I don't like the way Pennsylvania does their primary. And the Democrats in Pennsylvania are smarter than the Republicans because the winner in Pennsylvania gets 17 delegates. In other words, you win the state, you get 17 bound delegates in Pennsylvania. Now, the rest of the voting, you literally are not voting for the candidate. You're not voting for Kasich or Cruz or Trump. You're voting for the delegates. And we have worked hard to find out and figure out which delegates are supporting which candidates because I doubt the majority of people have a clue. And Linda, along with our friend Rose Tennant in Pittsburgh, we put it up on my website. It's up on Rose's website. We have put together a list of the delegates in Pennsylvania, depending on what district you're in and who the delegates are supporting. Because when you go in there, you're not going to see Trump's name or Kasich's name or, or Cruz's name. You're going to see delegates name. And you're not going to know which delegate supports who. But if you look at your district on my website, Hannity.com, you'll know. Now, why Pennsylvania does it this way is beyond any understanding that I have. I, I can't figure that out for the life of me. So, you know, it could be a, a brilliant last minute play that we all look back on and say, wow, what a smart move that was by Kasich or Cruz. Or, and that would allow Cruz to win Indiana, deny Trump the nomination. If Trump wins, as they predict tomorrow and Indiana, probably it's race over. I'm just being realistic. If he loses Indiana, it still goes on. Because the percentages of lead that he has in these middle Atlantic and northeastern states are, you know, 25, 31, 35 points. So he's going to get the majority of delegates in all five states tomorrow. He's going to have a pretty good delegate hall tomorrow. So, what, we're now eight days before Indiana. We'll find out a week from tomorrow if it was worth it. Now, they're changing the dynamic of the race. It may not work. It may work. Who knows? So I'll have to wait and see. Um, There is an interesting poll out today. I will say this. You know, the thing about the brokered convention, and I know no matter what I say, I know people are going to think I'm taking sides here. There is a problem with this. Is... This alliance, while it is all perfectly legitimate, it is all within the rules that everybody knew going in. But there's one thing about the system that irks me. In other words, that you can have candidates. Remember, John. I'll use John Kasich as an example. Or how about this? I'll use candidate A, candidate B, candidate C to make it neutral as possible, just to illustrate the point of what is irking me here is you you literally have a system that is now designed where the establishment and other candidates are actively hoping to get in an environment where 
it's possible that somebody that has won the most states by a lot has millions and millions of more votes. And in the case of John Kasich, he still has less delegates than Marco Rubio got out five weeks ago. I mean, he has a quarter of a million fewer votes than Marco Rubio had who left five weeks ago. And his hope is is to leapfrog over both Ted Cruz, who has won states, won delegates, and Donald Trump, who's won more states and more delegates and has millions of more votes than his closest rivals. And I think what they're not factoring in as they put this strategy together is that there's going to be a lot of angry people at the end of this process. If it goes down that way, you have five million, literally, you have, you know, million, six million more voters than you had in 2012, or 60% more voters than you had in 2012 in the primaries. 60%. So, you know, are you going to be so quick to disenfranchise them? Now, I don't care what anybody says. You can explain these are the rules, these are the rules, these are the rules all you want. Voters are going to interpret it very differently. They're going to say your rules are about as screwed up as your party in Washington. That's how I think it'll be interpreted. I may be wrong. Now, other good news besides the turnout is, and this was from the battleground poll, George Washington University battleground poll, and it's a bipartisan poll conducted in partnership with the Terrence Group and Lake Research Partners, and it asked likely voters how closely they followed the presidential campaign over the last year. 89% reported that they followed the race very or somewhat closely. More than half, 52%, reported receiving updates on the campaigns via social media. The poll found that of the five candidates still in the race, yeah, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton and John Kasich, but in the case of Sanders and Kasich, they have an unfavorable rating below 50 percent, 44 and 29 percent, respectively. The other three, Hillary Clinton has an unfavorable rating of 56 percent, Cruz 55 percent and Trump 65 percent. All the candidates with unfavorable ratings above 50 percent also have a majority of voters saying that they would not consider voting for them for president. When asked about increasingly visible former President Clinton, respondents showed more positive views towards the non-candidate. Not that that matters. He'll be smashed by the time this is all over, trust me. In a head-to-head matchup of each of the party's frontrunners, Mrs. Clinton leads Mr. Trump by only three percentage points, even though Trump's unfavorables are higher. And that's 46-43, 11% undecided. That's within the margin of error. Quote, the Republican Party has a strongly favorable political environment for winning the White House, said pollster Ed Goaz, president, CEO of the Terrence Group. If a mainstream Republican candidate were the presumptive nominee, the GOP would likely be in a strong position for a lot of wins top to bottom in November. This election cycle introduced a new tone and tenor of rhetoric used on the campaign trail. The coarseness of language has started to have an impact on voter perceptions in the race. And it goes on from there. But the bottom line is this is a winnable race for Republicans, in spite of what people say. All right, let's go to uh, Tom in Pennsylvania. Tom, hi. How are you? You got a minute. What's going on? Hello. Yeah, what's going on? Hey, lifelong Democrat for 40 years and switched over, became one of the 60,000 or more in Pennsylvania that became Republicans, my wife and I. 
And the worst part is our family's Democrat, and we have family members who hold political offices that are Democrats. So we switched to Trump, and in fact, tonight we're going to see him at Wilkes-Barre at Mohegan Sun Arena. Wow, cool. Good for you. You're involved in the campaign. I love people that are active and involved. What can I do Very for much. you? So that's it? You're just telling me you, you were a Democrat and we, you switched? Yeah, we, we were diehard Democrats, our whole family. Well, what is so it that made you I switch? I ran for office years ago as a Democrat. What made you now switch? I switched all because of Trump. Why? I like he's trying to get it back to the blue-collar worker. I'm a blue-collar worker, uh, and he's telling me he's speaking our language. He's not in the pocket of the big politics, the big machines. Yeah. All right, well. He's not taking that money. He's, not, he's there for us. I got it. All right. Appreciate it. James in Tucson, you have 20 seconds, James. Go ahead. John, love your show. Hey, my big issue, in fact, I'm not one of those never-Trump people, but I do have an issue with Trump kind of giving in the path on continually, you know, talking about Lion Ted, that I think that there needs to be some, you know, some standing up to that. That's not um, helpful, and it's damaging to the whole process. You know, look, I, I think it's a candidate's job. If you don't like what you're being called on the campaign trail to stand up for yourself. And you know what? Ted Cruz is very capable of doing it. Oh, did you see the news today? Did you see where they band together, where they collude? You know, it's collusion. You know, if you collude in business, if you collude in business or if you collude in the stock market, they put you in jail. But in politics, because it's a rigged system, because it's a corrupt enterprise, in politics, you're allowed to collude. So they colluded. And actually, I was happy because it shows how weak they are. It shows how pathetic they are. It's sort of funny. I watched Cruz this morning and he's all mixed up because he's losing so badly. And when he's under pressure, he's like a basket case. So he's stuttering and he's stammering. And I watched him and he's saying, uh, I want jobs and I want the economy and I want this and I want that. All stuff that I've been saying for years. And he just started saying it. He doesn't know anything about the economy. He doesn't know anything about jobs. He was a failed senator. He couldn't get anything passed. Nothing. Look at his legislation. He got nothing passed. And now he wants to be. All he is is a guy that will go down and stand and filibuster for a day or two. And the other senators all look. When's he getting off the floor, Jim? Guy's a pain in the ass. When's he getting off the floor? Well, you know, facts are stubborn things. John Kasich is a good man. He's an honorable man. But he has no path to the nomination. It's mathematically impossible for John Kasich to become the Republican nominee. He needs more than 100 percent of the remaining delegates. You know, he is Senator Smear. And people say, well, you seem to be pointing things out. Yeah, I've said all along, you know, I'm not a pincushion or a marshmallow. He smeared uh, Ben Carson. He smeared Marco Rubio. He smeared Donald Trump. And now he's smearing me. And the Wall Street Journal even pointed out that he smeared me in an editorial last week. This guy plays that kind of politics. It's down, it's dirty, it's negative, and it's not uplifting. If John Kasich were not in the race, we would get to 1237. It is possible. Kasich's role is a spoiler. If he pulls just enough votes to let Trump win states so with a plurality, I have no good explanation. Uh, maybe he's auditioning to be Donald Trump's vice president. But Kasich, every vote for Kasich is a vote for Donald Trump. I live on the, on the, on the hopes... All right, there you have it, the sights and sounds of the uh, campaign moving forward. Happy Monday. If you are not just gripped by the ebb and flow of this election, you're never going to be into politics. 
It is one topsy-turvy ebb and flow surprise by a minute. And that's a big part of our coverage today. Anyway, happy Monday. Uh, thank you, Dr. Loudon, for filling in for me on Friday. Glad you could be with us on some good news to start the show before we get into the intramural politics, which I have no doubt will rev up Twitter, Facebook, and all social media hatred as people sit there in the comfort of their own homes and their underwear, firing Trump people, firing at cruise people, cruise people, firing at Trump people. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I get it all mixed up. But they're firing at each other. It has never been this bad. And this is the future. Elections are not going to get any better. It's I've never seen it so divided. Pete, uh, what's it? Pete Werner, who who uh, was in the Bush administration, actually wrote a column how friendships are being destroyed over this primary process. I'm not going to lose one friend over their support for whatever candidate. I'm just not. I refuse to let it get there or get that personal. It's it's just insane that it's gotten this bad among so many people. And, um, you know, we could probably do entire hours on this program of people telling how friendships and families are now divided over the presidential race. If you want to tell your story, you can. 800-941-SEAN is our number. But I'm not going to, I'm, that's not going to be the focus of the program today. Let me start out with some good news. Matthew Boyle, Breitbart, they compiled new data after the New York Republican primary. And it shows that among the states that have voted so far in 2016, this is a very good sign. GOP primary and caucus turnout is up well more than 8 million votes and more than 60% over 2012's process. Now, top GOP officials say the intense interest in the primary throughout the year only serves to benefit the Republican nominee in November, whoever that ends up being, and I would agree with that. Now, so far, nationwide, the GOP has seen an increase of 8,719,041 votes in 2016's primaries, caucuses, conventions over 2012, um, and uh, 14,452,500 people have voted in each of the states and territories that have held contests so far in 2016. And in 2016, 23,171,541 people have voted in GOP uh, contests. So we're already up, literally, Nearly 10 million people, a 60.33% increase in just four years on the Republican side. And we're not even done. Reince Priebus reacted to the news by saying the voters are flocking to the GOP after the horrible eight years of Obama because they know Hillary Clinton would be a third term of Obama and be disastrous. Um, That's part of the story. I also think Republicans, and I think the untold story, underreported story in this campaign is how this becoming an insurgent year is a direct result. And I got into a long, long long-winded email exchange with a friend of mine over the weekend about all of this. How did we get here? How did things get so bad? And I think it's, you know, number one, I think that Americans are just fed up. I think they're disgusted at everything that's happened. And, And by that, I mean... You know, you look at how people are reacting to, you know, what's gone on in this campaign and you say, my God, this is ridiculous. 
Republicans have continued to break their promises one after another. And there seems to be no end in sight. You know, you go back repealing, replacing Obamacare, using the power of the purse, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you just keep going back and it gets worse and worse and worse. I mean, I have um, I've never seen anything like it. And I am not as worried as some of you are about Hillary Clinton. Yes, I I'm saying right here and now today, Hillary Clinton can win. Hillary starts out with 47 percent of the vote. But she's also a horrible candidate, and a lot's going to happen between now and November. She has a lot of legal issues hanging over her head. But if you want to know why the party is blown up, you know, it's look at last night. That is 60 minutes piece on all congressmen and and all they're supposed to spend 30 hours a week dialing for dollars for the Republican Party. It's the same thing with the Democratic Party. But the net result is we're here because Republicans have not articulated an inspiring vision they there's little difference now between republicans and democrats they showed zero backbone in battling the obama agenda on every front the debt soared even under speaker boehner's term as as a leader of the house you know the only fight in recent years we've seen is not replacing justice scalia Obamacare was funded. Executive amnesty were funded, was funded. No battle because of this ridiculous fear of being blamed for shutting down the government. You know, say what you will about George W. Bush. His poll numbers were upside down and sideways, but he fought for what he believed in because he, he knew he was right that radical Islam was the, was the modern-day Nazism of our time. And he fought hard for what he believed in. And he fought a surge and he won. And I view this current crop of leaders as people obsessed with keeping their jobs, as evidenced last night on 60 Minutes, and not getting blamed for a government shutdown. Well, the only description you can use in those instances are weak, timid, feckless, spineless. There's, what, what do Republicans really stand for? Where is the contract that Paul Ryan promised me, for crying out loud? Last time when he became speaker, oh, yeah, we're coming out with a, something similar to the contract with America. Rome, uh, Rome is burning, meaning America is declining. The debt is now double what it was when Obama became president. He's accumulated more debt than every other president before him combined. The border is not secure. I mean, I can give you there's an article out there today about how ISIS was on Fox News and ISIS revealed their plan to infiltrate America where through Mexico. No wonder why Americans view this building of a wall as an important issue. You know, our schools are languishing. There's no economic recovery. You know, there's an article that I saw this weekend. One in five Americans, sadly, one in five American families have literally nobody in the family working. Not one person. Not one. Here's the article. It was written uh, in the Washington Free Beacon. No one works in one in five U.S. families. In other words, 19.7% in which not one member of the family works. Oh, but the unemployment rate under Barack Obama is down because they use a Washington calculator that's full of crap, and they just openly lie to you. So our schools are languishing. The debt is awful. We're robbing our kids blind. They robbed your Social Security money. You know, they there's nothing little done to help people that are out of work, out of the labor force. 
They're not helping these 20% of families where not one member of the family has a job. They're not helping people in poverty and on food stamps. There's zero sense of urgency to fix the trajectory upon which we are moving, which is towards Greece and bankruptcy. You know, and then people are wondering, well, why is there a political earthquake going on? Why is there the insurgency candidacies going on? Because you idiots, you caused it. And for and they'll be the same people that throw whoever the Republican nominee is down the stairs. And then they're going to turn around and lash out at you and me and Fox and talk radio as if it's all our fault. You know, I, 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 I can't think we could do much worse at this point. I really don't. Horrible. What's the name of the guy they featured on 60 Minutes last night? I like this guy. He's um, jolly. He's running for Florida. He says, I'm not, I'm not going dialing for dollars. I'm not going to spend 30 hours a week. David Jolly. Good for him. He was great last night. Now, all right, so we've got this whole issue unfolding, this alliance that has now taking place between Kasich and Cruz. And <clears throat> I guess there's a couple of ways to interpret this. And it'll probably you'll view it through the prism of who it is that you're supporting. That's my guess. But, you know, just really, I guess what the I guess we needed a more interesting campaign because it hasn't been interesting enough up to this point. Uh, we all know what the danger was that things were just getting too boring in this campaign. Actually, it's been one of the most fascinating years ever. And I have followed presidential politics since my teens. So Ted Cruz and John Kasich decided to coordinate in future primary contests. This is an effort to prevent Donald Trump from getting the nomination and 1,237 delegates. And just like that, the Twitter universe, social media, the political world explodes. And I think there's a lot to talk about here. Look, I don't really, I, I really mean this. I don't really care who you vote for if you haven't voted yet. I don't care who you did vote for. I do hope in the end that there will be some mending of fences and some peace because there's only going to be one winner. In a statement last night, Cruz's manager, campaign manager, Jeff Rose, said the campaign would focus its time and resources in Indiana and turn the clear path for Governor Kasich to compete in Oregon and New Mexico. And right after that, the Kasich campaign put out a similar message. John Weaver, he's Kasich's manager, campaign manager, said that the campaign would shift their resources to states in the West and give Cruz, the Cruz campaign, a clear path in Indiana. Both campaigns said they expected allies and third-party groups to follow their lead. As the New York Times points out, this signals a major shift in tone from the Cruz campaign toward Kasich, whom Cruz aides have long cast as a spoiler in the race. Well, not anymore. The spoiler has now become a partner in the Stop Trump effort. By the way, they have every right to do this. And if you're a... They have every right to create whatever alliances they want. If they felt confident... In their positions, I don't think they would do it. But clearly, there's only one candidate left, mathematically, that has a path to 1237. And that's Donald Trump. And Trump right now is plus 26 in recent polls in Pennsylvania, plus 34 in Connecticut, plus 38 in Rhode Island, plus 20 in Maryland. And he's plus 30-something in Delaware. I mean, that could be a five-state delegate windfall for Donald Trump tomorrow. And maybe get them close to a thousand delegates. 
So at that point, you know, Indiana takes on a greater a greater purpose. Anyway, we have so much to get to. So much to get to. Joining us now, pollsters, giving us a preview not only of what we will see tomorrow in Delaware, Maryland, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania, but even beyond, we have the uh, brothers, John and Jim McLaughlin, and uh, founders of McLaughlin and Associates. Uh, Jim is the guy that usually doesn't show up, and John is the guy that usually is responsible and shows up on programs that he agrees to be on. Welcome. It's always the older brother, Sean. Yeah, what is that? I mean, you're supposed to be on the air. You didn't show up for the whole half hour. It's not like, what, what were you busy? Going to the bathroom? Something happened? What, what was going on? Had to go to the hospital? My apologies. There was a little bit of a miscommunication there. A little bit of a miscommunication. In other words, you got busy doing something else more important. You know, he just it's its the older brother carrying the work. And, and you know, and by the way, Linda McLaughlin would understand. You know, she's the oldest in her family. So. All right, enough with Linda. We don't want, you know what? <laughs> Linda's head is big enough already. Do we really need this? Seriously? <laughs> yeah, you know, the older ones have to carry it. Everybody so. brags on Linda. Right? Linda, Linda, Linda. We're getting sick of Linda, oh, Linda, no, Linda. Linda's the superstar. We all know that. Well, I know, but everybody has to tell me it every day. All right, so let's go to the polls. So tomorrow we've got five states. I'm more interested on the Republican side. I think it's pretty well wrapped up, especially because of the corrupt superdelegate system on the Democratic side. You got Rhode Island, real clear politics average, Trump plus 25 at 49.5%. Connecticut, it's Trump plus 26 at 52.3%. Real clear politics average. Pennsylvania, the biggest prize of the night. You got Trump plus 19.4 at 45.8%, although the two most recent polls had him at 51 and 49. Uh, And then if you move to Delaware and and Maryland, it's the same thing. Maryland, it's uh, what, plus 20 for for Donald Trump. And and pretty much the same thing. It actually is more in Delaware. It's Trump plus 37 and 55%. So right. what are we looking at delegate-wise tomorrow night for the three Republicans? Well, Trump's, Trump's at 845 now, and he needs, of the remaining 733 that aren't allocated, he needs 54% uh, to win the whole thing on the first ballot. So uh, um, so he's looking in pretty good shape. And, and, and the one that we've talked about in the past was always uh, Indiana, because the Northeast crews kind of well, let's, before we get to Indiana, let's stay at the five states we got tomorrow because I have a lot of Indiana questions. Right. So you got you got twenty eight in Connecticut, and they're going to be allocated proportionally. So you know he's probably going to get uh, he's probably going to get close to the twenty eight. Delaware sixteen, he'll get the sixteen in Delaware. Maryland is thirty eight. He'll probably get most of the most of the thirty eight. And Pennsylvania, that's the one where it's tricky because you have seventeen winner take all that uh, you know will go statewide. But then there's fifty four unbound. That he's probably already been flanked with, and Rhode Island. Now we're way ahead of you on this, by the way, because I think it's unfair to voters to go in and you're actually voting for delegates, and you have no idea who the delegates are going to support. So we actually did the hard work, Linda included, right. uh, to give her props and credit, uh, <laughs> so she's not pissed off the rest of the day. Um, but honestly, we we went through the hard work of tracking down these delegates, and we are connect. We have connected on my website, Hannity.com the delegates and who they're supporting. So in other words, if the delegate is supporting Cruz, you'll know that you'll know to vote for that delegate if you want Cruz. If it's Trump, you'll know to vote for that delegate if you want Trump. If it's Kasich, you'll know who to vote for that delegate. Uh, Although not too many delegates there are supporting Kasich. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and, we're, and, you know, we're, we're still neutral in this presidential race, so we've been able to, we didn't, haven't had to go through the fun part of doing that, which the campaigns have done. But, but right. you know, you, Trump should come out of it, you know, with, there's about 80 that are going to be signed, 80 or 90, so it should be as big a night as he had in, in uh, that he had with New York. Uh, but then well, my math would have it actually higher. If he takes the state of Pennsylvania, he gets 17 off the bat. You're right. saying he gets about 25 out of Connecticut, right? Yep, yep. Delaware, you think he gets all 16, winner take all? Right. Okay, and Maryland is 38. He's got a pretty significant yep. lead in Maryland. So what does he get out of the 38 there? Yeah, he might get uh, 34, 35, yeah. 36. And, it, and isn't Maryland, Maryland's winner take all? Yeah. So he, he can get, like... On paper, tomorrow, he can get 172 delegates, but it's not going to happen. Cause no, that's California, 172. And then you've got, 70, you've got 17 for winning Pennsylvania. How many of the 54 unbound, even though there are delegates that will be bound to him, do you think he gets in Pennsylvania? That I don't know. We've got to check your website. <laughs> All right, so let, let, let's, say, let's say it's 50 total. Okay. If it's all right, so that's fifty. That's a hundred, and that's like a hundred and twenty delegates tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be a big day tomorrow for Donald Trump, and I think one of the ways you can tell that too is Ted Cruz. I believe today and tomorrow is in Indiana both days. So, right. um, you know, they left Kasich in Pennsylvania. He actually is in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia today. But, you know. Because as you mentioned, Sean, some of those delegates still are up for grabs because of the proportionality that's going on in Pennsylvania. But I think that says an awful lot by Ted Cruz not being in Pennsylvania. Today. So he might come out with anywhere between 950 and, say, 980 delegates tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And I've actually seen some analysis where it is possible he's at around 1,000. You know, he's, he's at around 1,000 by after tomorrow. All right, so if you look at all those numbers, and let's say that's the case, is he then the presumptive nominee? Well, I think, uh, I think a lot of people think that already. And the question is, because is, the biggest news story today and, and, and broke yesterday was uh, that Kasich and Cruz are going to split the territory. And basically they're going to, you know, Kasich is bailing out of Indiana, and then uh, Cruz is going to step aside for uh, uh, Trump in, in uh, New Mexico and Oregon. And, and what, by doing that, it's a real sign of weakness because it means that we're losing. And, and the problem is, is that you, Cruz and Kasich are now asking people to you know, vote against Trump so he doesn't have a first ballot win. And the only one who really can actually claim that he should be on the ballot against Trump in the convention is Cruz. Because, you know, this idea of a white knight or a third party coming in, you're going to upset a lot of delegates, whether they're Trump or Cruz people. They're not going to change the rule, that, that Rule 40B, that you have to won eight states and you have to run in primaries. So they're going to leave that, you know, as, as you noticed uh, uh, when you were covering last week, the Republicans, when they met in Florida, they didn't vote to change any rules. Let's look at the Indiana polls. Then. In Indiana, the Fox News poll had Trump plus eight. Um, you have one other poll was Trump plus six. That was the uh, WTHR Howie Politics poll. I never heard of them before. Do you know them? Yeah, they're they poll. They're, they're a statewide poll. They're, they get a lot of press in, in Indiana because we All do right. the we do the polling for the state senate and then, for Senator. Lawrence. So then you also have Trump's going to win New Jersey, and in California, the Fox poll had Trump forty nine, Cruz twenty two, Kasich twenty. Right, and that, the, the CBS poll yesterday uh, was it uh, had had Trump up five forty to thirty five. 
uh, with Kasich at 20. And that 20, those voters who are picking Kasich in Indiana, from the polling that we've seen in Indiana, they're more moderate. And Cruz's people are to the right of Trump's people. So when you ask a Kasich voter to, you know, vote for Cruz, uh, they don't have the same feelings about Cruz that they do about Kasich. So uh, Trump's kind of in the middle. He's between the two of them in a somewhat conservative land. So, uh, uh, but Trump's ahead right now in, in, in Indiana. So he, he's, that's what it, it it's going to be very, very hard for Cruz. If, if Trump wins Indiana, it's going to be very, very hard to stop him with the momentum going into California. Now, it was announced today that a Cruz-supporting PAC is going to spend $1.6 million in ads against Trump in Indiana. So they're going all in. Yeah, yeah. It's it sounds like they're trying to make Indiana the new Wisconsin, and and part of that too is it's a winner take all state, and it's the one state because if you look at it, Trump has done well in the big states. You know, everywhere from New York, he's doing well in California right now. He did well in Massachusetts, where resources, you know, where the other side, and and that's one of the dirty little secrets in this uh, race, Sean is. There's not a lot of resources on the anti-Trump side right now. Cruz doesn't have a lot of money, and John Kasich doesn't have a lot of money right now. That's why you're seeing them really try to pick and choose where they're playing now, and it's really just all about denying delegates. Yeah. And in Indiana, Trump's been running ads already. They have an ad where his son's on TV, and the people that I work with, the Republicans out there, tell me it's a good ad. It's a, it's a different side of, of Trump where a lot of people, you know, we've seen him on your show, and there's been a lot of people out there where they've said, before Wisconsin, when he was in the side issues and getting personal, he was way off message. Um, you know, he learned from that, and he's and he's clearly changed. He's been more focused on his message, but the family side, like I, like you had in uh, the night before the Wisconsin primary, you had Trump and uh, Melania on your show. Uh, her being with him gives him a better look to the voters. The same same with this. So you his, think uh, this alliance voter. is more out of financial? They're sort of pooling their financial resources because you say they're running out of money, and you think it's a sign of weakness. Why do you view that as a sign of weakness? They're behind in the delegates because if Trump keeps on racking up the delegates, yeah. they're going to lose. He'll get a, he'll he could win this for 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 weeks. I've been on your show saying he could win on a first ballot, and, uh, he, and the only one who could stop him really from that first ballot win is him. When he makes mistakes. He goes down in polls and he loses. When he's on message and he talks about being anti-Washington, against the government, and more importantly, anti-Hillary these days, anti-Obama and anti-Hillary, he, he rallies the Republicans, and, uh, and, and that's, when he, that's when he picks up. And, that's and, when I, he wins. and I also think, Sean, that this process messaging about, you know, the never, you know, stop Trump and, you know, we're going we're gonna to lay down in places like New Mexico and Oregon and Indiana – that kind of messaging, I think, hurts Ted Cruz whenever he's talking process, because the way Ted Cruz is trying to win this, he's saying, I'm the proven conservative. I'm the real conservative here. He wants to talk issues and policies, and that's his strength, not talking about process. All right. So let me ask this. So then beyond that, you've got, let's go to the other states, Oregon, Washington. You have West Virginia, Indiana. Nebraska, what am I forgetting? I'm forgetting something. Now, you, you know, you got a Nebraska, West Virginia on the 10th, Oregon on the 17th, Washington's on the 24th, but then the big one is June and 7th. California Cal- and New Jersey. Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, New Mexico. South Dakota. So. In New Mexico, uh, South Dakota, all right, and uh, New Jersey. All right, so who's going to win those? Right, right now, Trump's ahead, and he's building momentum. I mean, it really comes down to 
like literally when when we were talking about Wisconsin and you could see these Northeast primaries were going to be good for Trump, it's been we were saying the place where he could get stopped is Indiana, and then Cruz also has to really just. All right, here's the most important question I'm going to ask you both. Mm -hmm. So why is it in these hypothetical? matchups against either Hillary or Bernie Sanders. Why is it Kasich who only won one state does the best, Cruz does the second best, and Trump does the worst? Because Kasich's got lower negatives. It's, it's, it's All right, simple. but it's, do you think they're realistic for what November brings? Or it depends, obviously, on what happens. But it's, it's one of those things where all the establishment candidates that were running on the traditional issues that didn't command the anger of the electorate, they lost. They're out. Kasich's still hanging in there, but you know, he's it's he mathematically was eliminated a long time ago. Cruz, what time, what's amazing is you got Trump and Cruz who are the front runners, and the reason is because they've been the most anti-Obama, they've been the most anti-Washington, they're the outsiders. So, so does this what, alliance with Kasich hurt that imaging on Cruz's side, or does it help him? No, oh, he I, just. It, it, I, what Jim could say, but I think it, it looks like they're, they're starting to look desperate because it, it, the math is going south on them. And uh, Cruz is, Jim's right, when Cruz is on message being the most conservative, which I think that's what you're going to see in Indiana, he's really going to he's really going to try to push Trump left and win in an ideological battle. Okay. And, and, and I don't, and by the way, I, John and I both agree on this. I don't think there's any question that I think that this, this does probably hurt him a little bit. But you know what? When you're Cruz and you're Kasich, you're looking to change the directory of the race. And the only shot they have is to deny him delegates. You know, and I think one of the things that people are forgetting about the delegates, and people think these delegates, because of some of the things that have been going on, they're all these Republican insiders, they're these establishment Republicans. I know some of these delegates. I've worked with them over the years. I've been on other presidential races. Really what these delegates are, they're conservative activists. I would even make an argument a lot of them, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them are more conservative activists than they are Republican activists. And I think one of the challenges, while right now the math is really, really good for Donald Trump, Donald Trump needs to convince these delegates that he's sufficiently conservative. Aren't they obligated, though, on the first ballot to support him in most cases? In most cases, you are exactly right. And, and that's all right, correct. so uh, can they all call in sick and not vote? <laughs> no, they'll be there. <laughs> yeah, but they, they live for the conventions. Yeah, I agree. All right. So if he predictions, do you think if it is a Trump Hillary matchup, John McLaughlin, do you think Trump could win? Yes, he can win that because his negatives, although our last national poll, you know, he had a yeah. 65 unfavorable. She had a 58 unfavorable. So but you think, I, yes, but so you think these polls are off? Well, I think he can change his numbers. I Jim, think, what do you think? I agree with John. And I don't, I'm not saying the polls are off. But what I'm saying is the race can change. We have, you know, we have right. months until the general election. And, yeah, and she could be way, in an orange jumpsuit by then. That's a good point. <laughs> All right, I got to roll. Guys, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Our pleasure. It was All right, a lot eight, of fun. We have five contests tomorrow. And uh, as I've been pointing out, uh, Trump is soaring in Pennsylvania, up 26, 34 in Connecticut, up 38 in Rhode Island. I mean, massive. It seems like everything that they do to sort of work against him doesn't, it backfires. But it's pretty fascinating. Now, Pennsylvania is unique beyond any other state. We've had a lot of discussions on this program about delegates and whether they're bound or unbound, how delegates are selected, the states and whether they caucus or primary and whether or not delegates, you know, it's proportional, winner take all. Well, in the state of Pennsylvania, 
17 delegates are awarded to the state winner, 17. Now, the remaining delegates, 54 of them, are on the ballot, but on the ballot in Pennsylvania, they don't have the names of the delegates, who the delegates are supporting, just the name of the delegate. So you go in the voting booth, most people are going to be like, huh? Who are these people? So what we've tried to do is a kind of like a voter service a little bit is we match. We're matching the names of the delegates with the candidates they have stated that they will support. Now, surprisingly, there are not many people in Pennsylvania. As a matter of fact, I think we found one uh, for John Kasich and the rest are distributed among among Trump and Cruz supporters. So we got a couple of the delegates. Lynn Ryan uh, is in District 3 in, in western Pennsylvania, bordering on Ohio. Ton Orem is a, a delegate as well from District 18. That's southwestern Pennsylvania. He's the longest elected delegate in the nation, has attended and been a part of every election since Ronald Reagan. And Dean Browning is a, is a delegate from District 15, which covers five counties. Lehigh County is and is 60 miles north of Philadelphia. Um, welcome all three of you to the program and uh, appreciate you being with us. Thank you Thank very you. much for having us Thank you. Tom, I guess because you've been at this the longest, I'm going to start with you. Uh, to me, it's a little strange and odd and confusing for voters in Pennsylvania to have delegate names on the ballot and with no connection to the candidate that they're most likely to support as they're all unbound. That's true. That's true. And uh, I've had people call and say, hey, look, I'm looking at the voter guide here. The Democrats say who they're supporting, but you guys don't say who who you are supporting. Right. uh, There is a little confusion. All right. So I I think you've taken a look, all of you, at what we put together on my website. Uh, Do you think it's helpful for the people of Pennsylvania? Oh, no doubt. And I've referred a lot of people over there to say, hey, you can go to... uh, whether it be Rose's site, your site. All right, Rose, Rose Tennant is a good friend of mine. Uh, our, her website, Hannity.com, is my website. Because i got to imagine, if, look, I've actually had this experience myself in New York where I go into the voting booth and, you know, I'm, I'm rushed and I've had a hectic day. I'm raising two kids. I'm working two full-time jobs and I race in there. And then all of a sudden I'm voting for judges and I have no clue who they are. Exactly. Or, sure. or you're looking at... Yeah, or you're looking at a, a referendum, and I didn't really spend enough time studying the referendum. Now I, I always make sure I get a copy of the ballot before I go in, but I've made that mistake in the past, and I can understand people that are busy not having the time to go through all this. Yeah, and you're in the minority on that for sure. So, you know, we've done everything that we can is uh, the delegates that have teamed up, particularly the endorsed team here in the 18th for Trump. And uh, we've done uh, some radio. We've done uh, television, not television, uh the uh, uh, newspapers in the major cities uh, and just said, here's the slate so that at least people know who they are. You know, who who are the delegates for for Trump for in our right. area? You know, because it's got to be frustrating if, if you're a voter in a district and you put, you know, I don't care what preference of candidate you want your delegate to represent your vote, especially if the candidate you chose actually wins the district. No question. No, no. question. And I'm getting calls like that saying, you know, uh, I'm voting for so-and-so for president. Who are you for? And they're having to do the homework on their own. And um, I, I know that in our county, though, we have the entire slate of the uh, 11 of us that are running in, in what we've stated as preference. All right. And, Dean, you're supporting uh, Senator Cruz, right, in District 15. 
Yes. Have absolutely. you had the same confusion in your district? Uh, no, to a, to a certain extent, I'd like to respond and say that that's really what campaigns are for, to educate the voters. Uh, here in the Pennsylvania 15th Congressional District, we've got a slate of delegates that are endorsed by Senator Cruz and a slate of delegates that are also endorsed by Donald Trump. Both of those campaigns have sent out mailers to voters to alert them who is voting for who. Uh, we've got a local talk radio show that has had has had candidates on to express their views. Uh, local uh, newspapers have print out, put out. Yeah, but uh, listen, to be, to be fair, though, I mean, there's still going to be people, I guarantee you, that go in the voting booth and they don't have a clue. Well, and that's the case for almost any election. But wouldn't it, wouldn't it be, for example, don't, don't the Democrats associate the delegate with the candidate on their ballots? Yes, they do. So wouldn't it be simpler for Republicans to do the same thing in Pennsylvania? It certainly would seem Wouldn't to be it be less case. confusing? Wouldn't it be yeah. helpful to the voters? And that is something that I'm sure the state committee will be looking at after this primary. Yeah. If you look at it historically, Pennsylvania has really not been in this situation where we've had a role in who the nominee is going to be, uh, and that's certainly not the case this time around. Yeah. Now, Lynn, you are in District 3 in Western PA. You're near the Ohio border. Um, I've got to believe that this has been confusing also in your district. Absolutely. And it's very disingenuous to the voters that we aren't bound delegates. And I'm on the state committee, and I can assure you that this is going to be brought up in our convention in May, because people did not realize that this was the system. I guess the best thing about the election this year is that it has put sunlight um, on a situation that people were unfamiliar with. And I have to admit, I'm a political junkie, and I was unfamiliar with the unbound delegates. We've never had a significant role in the election because by the time the primary gets around to Pennsylvania, usually the winner has already... um, the, nomin- the nominee for the party has already no. been elected or, or nominated or selected by the previous uh, primaries in the previous states. So we're, we're kind of late on the slate. Yeah. By the way, and, I, uh, I made a mistake last Thursday. Uh, Dan, I don't know how you say his last name, uh, Veet. Veet from District 3, and <laughs> I, I made a mistake and said he was, I think, a Cruz delegate, and he or an uncommitted delegate, and he's really a Trump delegate. And by the way, this was after we've done a lot of work. So, I mean, it, it, that just goes to show how com- how confusing it could be. Let me ask all three of you this, and it doesn't matter who you're supporting. I just think the voters, look, I, I think it's got to be voter friendly. I think it's got to be simple for the voter, make it easy for the voter. They shouldn't have to go through this arduous process if they they've been following the debates, they know the names of the candidates, then to put the the delegate names without the candidate they're supporting on it, on top of them being unbound on to, uh, also, to me, is very, very confusing to the whole process. Um, so I would think that there should be some three simple changes, and I want to get all of you to weigh in on this. Now, the Republican Party is a national party. So I would say any state can have a primary or a caucus. It's their choice. Any state can choose proportional distribution of delegates or winner take all. And I think every state should be mandated to have bound delegates, at least on the first ballot. Tom, I'll start with you. Do you think that sounds like a fair system? I think not only is it fair, it's 
very transparent, and that way the delegate also has to make up their mind and do their homework before they select a candidate. And not only that, but by the way, the 17 at large right now, uh, those came from a change just this past uh, this past summer at state committee as well, where we were asked to do to have the 17 because before in District 18 we would have had four delegates selected, not not three. Yeah, what is your take on it, Dean? I think it would be a fair change to have the, the candidates that you're supporting listed next to your name. I, I do believe proportional representation would be more appropriate. After all, we are a republic, not a straight democracy. So I'm not entirely in favor of winner take all. Well, I'm letting. I'm just letting the states decide. That's that's my position right. on that. It's but yes, we're a republic. I agree. But go ahead. And I was going to say, you know, specifically here in the Pennsylvania 15th, you know, much has been said about we need to follow the will of the people. Without somebody getting over 50 percent of the votes in, in my congressional district, you could reasonably say that any that let's say Donald Trump gets 38 percent and Cruz gets 34 percent, Cassius gets 25 percent, and then Bush, Rubio, and Carson, who by the way are still on the ballot, get the remainder. Then you can legitimately say that you know there's 62 percent of the voters in this district that don't want Donald Trump. Well, that's kind of if a that, but that's a funky way of doing math. Let's be honest here. If the majority, if a plurality of voters in your district want candidate A over candidate B and C, don't you think? I, look, I know what I the obligation I would feel if I were a delegate. I would stick to what my district voted for. I would feel an obligation to represent them and their desires or the majority or the plurality of voters in that in that because it's very you know look using that mathematical formula i mean it's very hard with three four or 17 candidates for anybody to get to 50 percent right well john in the approach that you're taking you're just going back and saying you would prefer a state a straight democracy rather than the republican model no i'm saying that i would feel an obligation to listen to the constituents that i'm representing and in that particular case depending now if it was as close as you're describing it might make me lean a different way and and I would feel I would feel out people in the district before I made a change on a second and third ballot but I think if it's 10 percentage points or 20 percentage points I feel a strong obligation to represent them and I feel a strong obligation since I am running and making it very clear up front that I'm running specifically to support Senator Cruz I feel that if I'm elected as a delegate that I have a, an obligation to those that elected me as delegate to represent their views, particularly since I've made it clear that I'm running to support Senator Cruz. Even if, let's say, even if your district goes heavily for candidate A and C, but not your candidate B. Well, if that happens, the, the chances are that I'm not going to be a delegate. But if I should happen to be a delegate, it's probably in true. But with all the confusion, you never know. And should I be a delegate in that situation? Again, yeah. I'm, I'm running. I've made it clear that I'm supporting Senator Cruz. And if I'm elected as delegate, Got it. I'm, oh, I'm I understand. going to attribute that to the fact that folks elected me to support the senator. Lynn, what's your take? Well, I think that people need to know. Uh, the, um, I'm, I disagree with the unbound delegate, and I think it's a guessing game. I don't think that it should be one big question mark when you go in there who everyone supports. And I, you know, God forbid I ever agree with the Democrats, but I agree with the fact that they have their alliance on their slate of delegates. And I, I think that we should have the same or we should be bound delegates. The, the unbound delegate is, is the big elephant in the room, pardon the pun, but it, it's so disingenuous to the voters, you know. But I do believe also 
in in the third congressional. Say Donald Trump wins 34 percent of the vote. Shouldn't he at least get one delegate out of that? I mean, I think he's going to win. It's polling real heavy in favor of Donald Trump in the third congressional. But shouldn't he at least get one delegate out of the three? I don't know. That would be Well, let me ask maybe, Dean, that's a good question for you. You're the crew supporter. Again, that it falls to the to the voters. They're the ones that are making the decision. I, we get back to my comment earlier that that's what campaigns yeah. are for: educate the voters. You know, that's especially the are supporting, especially in closer districts where, if the in other words, if they don't place the candidate's name next to the delegate and who the delegate is supporting, I think they could make a difference based on voter confusion. And I hate to say it, but Democrats are far more voter friendly in this process than Republicans are, at least in Pennsylvania. And I'd like to see the Republicans get their act together and fix it. Because, but anyway, Sean, I, I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, I, I'm with you. I hate to say it, but I do think the the Democrats do have a better approach by listing the presidential yeah. candidate next to the delegate, and that's the change I think the yeah. Pennsylvania Republican Party should make. All right, you know what? You're all. Uh, I I give you all a lot of uh, credit. It's uh, I'm sure a lot of time, effort, work, and probably stress on all of you taking on this position and this role. And uh, I thank you all for your public service and thanks for sharing uh, what's going on in pennsylvania with our audience thank you very much thanks thank you thank you thanks for having us on thank you well you know facts are stubborn things john Kasich is a good man he's an honorable man but he has no path to the nomination it's mathematically impossible for john Kasich to become the republican nominee he needs more than a hundred percent of the remaining delegates. You know, he is Senator Smear, and people say, well, you seem to be pointing things out. Yeah, I've said all along, you know, I'm not a pincushion or a marshmallow. He smeared uh, Ben Carson. He smeared Marco Rubio. He smeared Donald Trump. And now he's smearing me. And the Wall Street Journal even pointed out that he smeared me in an editorial last week. This guy plays that kind of politics. It's down, it's dirty, it's negative, and it's not uplifting. If John Kasich were not in the race, we would get to 1237. It is possible. Kasich's role is a spoiler. If he pulls just enough votes to let Trump win states with a plurality, I have no good explanation. Uh, Maybe he's auditioning to be Donald Trump's vice president. But Kasich, every vote for Kasich, is a vote for Donald Trump. I live on the on the on the hope side. You know, I've already done these things. Okay. See, when today voters think that if a politician's lips are moving, they're lying. So I have I can show evidence that what I say I've already done, and I can accomplish it again. Both is in Washington. Were you kidding? I moved the system down there. You're inferring strongly that Senator Cruz does not have those leadership skills. Well, he didn't accomplish anything the whole time he's been in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rhode Island. Thank you. All right, that was uh, from the earlier rally of Donald Trump today. And, of course, sound and sights and sounds, although you can't see it on radio, from the campaign trail. Anyway, we welcome back our uh, three regulars, uh, one representing Ted Cruz, that's D.C. McAllister, senior contributor to The Federalist, Michael Cohn, executive vice president, special counsel to Donald J. Trump. I think if if they both weren't married, they'd be going out on a date uh, after the last (laughs) argument they had. Uh, Ron Christie is with us, former special assistant to George Bush and a supporter of John Kasich. Welcome all of you to the uh, program. Uh, D.C., let's start with the alliance between Kasich and Cruz uh, from Ted Cruz's standpoint. Uh, What's the purpose for this? 
Well, first of all, you're you're tempting me to start flirting with Michael on national radio. Oh, <laughs> is that a is, is there a problem with that? I don't I don't see a problem. No. Uh, well, as far as this, well, this is definitely a bold strategic move on Ted Cruz's part. And if anyone thinks that this is a big hug for um, John Kasich or there's any kind of endorsement going on, they haven't watched the game of Survivor and they don't really understand what alliances are. That this is just a recognition of what the reality is. Kasich is in this race; he's affecting it, and Cruz wants to get to that second ballot so that he can win the nomination. All right, so let's go back to when when John Kasich mathematically became out of it and Cruz was saying Kasich should get out. And he said, I like John Kasich. He's a great guy, but he has no mathematical chance. And at that point, you know, he made a very strong statement and now he mathematically is not capable of getting to 1237. So let me just remind everybody exactly what he said. Well, you know, facts are stubborn things. Uh, John Kasich is a good man. He's an honorable man, but he has no path to the nomination. It's mathematically impossible for John Kasich to become the Republican nominee. He needs more than 100 percent of the remaining delegates. And it's worth remembering, Kasich went 0 for 27, lost 27 states in a row. Then he, then he won his home state. And then last night he lost again overwhelmingly in both Utah and Arizona. All right. So what is the difference now for Ted Cruz? Well, I think there's a couple of differences. First of all, I think, according to NBC, he has a 98% chance, or even CNN said 100% chance. It is very unlikely that he'll get the 1237, but it's not mathematically impossible. But he does have the eight states necessary to uh, get that If you look ballot. at the bound delegates, it is mathematically impossible. So yeah, I think he's somewhere at around 103 or 104%. But you know what, Sean? You know what you have here? You have Ted Cruz has now run out of options. Right. He left the state of Pennsylvania so that he could you know, run off to Indiana. The truth is he's tired. He's feeling the pressure from the millions of people, the silent majority that are all voting for Donald Trump and want Donald Trump to be the Republican nominee. It's just it's it, instead of reading green eggs and ham next time, you should tell the story of the goose and the gander. He he what's What's good for him now is very different than what was, of course, bad for John Kasich. So what is he going to do? What all politicians do? They flip-flop. Do you and think they go this... on and they do what they need to do in order to get what they want. All right. So now the, the, both the Cruz and Kasich strategy is to prevent Trump from getting to 1237. Ron Christie, can I bring you into this? Look, in every state tomorrow, I can go through the list of it here. Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island. Trump has a significant lead. And, uh, you know, we have our pollsters that uh, we discussed with earlier, and they all say the same thing, that it's he could win as many as he could be up to 980 to 1,000 tomorrow by the time all said and done and counted. He could, but he's still not going to get to 1237. And here's the difference, Sean. Yeah. They're rules. And you and I, we've talked about this for the last weeks, <laughs> a couple of weeks. Rules have consequences. And the fact of the matter Nobody's is... Nobody's denying those rules. Do, but Donald, not... Donald Trump, it's near impossible for him to get to that 1237 figure. So we're going to go into July, and we're going to have a contested convention. And a lot of people out there are saying, oh, this is so unprecedented. Wait a minute, wait, oh, we've wait, never wait, seen wait, this wait, before. If he ends up tomorrow getting a majority of delegates in those five states where he has significant leads, right. it appears he will. Now the number is probably going to be down in the 40s for him of remaining delegates to get to 1237. You're saying it's impossible, but just the opposite math uh, is no, happening I, I, after I, he won 92 out of 95 delegates in New York. Correct. What I'm saying is, is that Donald Trump, for him to run the table, for him him to actually have a credible chance of getting to 1237, he's going to have to get nearly 60% no, of the that, remaining delegates. But that's, but that's assuming that 
the polls are totally inaccurate for tomorrow. It's it's actually the number or percentage will go down rather dramatically. Well, the number will go down if he sweeps the table tomorrow. But suppose he right. does. Suppose he gets hey, eleven hundred votes. Know, hey, suppose, hey, hang on, Michael. Hang know. on one second. Suppose he gets eleven hundred. Eleven hundred is still not twelve thirty-seven. We've seen this with Abraham Lincoln. We've seen this with Gerald Ford. So you're, We've seen you're, this you're predicting with that Eisenhower, even though he's up in Indiana, even though he's up nearly, he's, he's he has more the numbers he has in California in the most recent poll. I'll pull it up if you like, for, for, please. For, but the recent, most recent California poll has Trump at forty-nine, Cruz twenty-two, and Kasich twenty. He has more than both those right, candidates but, together. But Donald Trump right now has a plurality of the votes. He does not have a majority of the votes cast. No, listen, you got to win, you got to get to 1237. No one right. on this call is denying that. Right. Nobody. So what we're saying, what Governor Kasich is saying, and what Senator Cruz is saying right now, is that it is a mathematic, it's almost impossible for him to do it. And people at the delegation just floor know, should I, have the opportunity to vote I for got a candidate. That, but I'm not win. understanding your math. If, if it's 60%, that's going to go down to like half the delegates remaining. Um, and he has these poll leads in these states. You're just, you just seem to be dismissing that advantage. I, I, I am dismissing that advantage because, A, I don't think that polls are always accurate. And B, not. Well, they've been accurate so far with Trump, of course, winning um, virtually every state where the polls said he would. Hey, Sean, do you know what desperation smells like? It smells like this relationship between Cruz and Kasich, right? When you have two candidates, Mr. Trump was talking about this, that have absolutely no path to victory, and the two of them get together in order to stop a candidate who's bringing in millions of new voters, Republicans, Democrats, independents alike, it just goes to show you the dysfunctionality in Washington and why the silent majority is screaming for an outsider like Donald Trump. All right, so D.C., from your perspective, walk us through how this is going to work. Assuming, look, there's, I, I have literally in front of me a million Pennsylvania polls, a million Indiana polls, a million Delaware, well, not a million, but a number of Delaware polls, a Maryland polls, Rhode Island polls. So assuming that Mr. Trump had a, a good night tomorrow night, tell me how this is going to work going forward to prevent him from getting to 1237 from your perspective. The big stop gap is Indiana, and that's why Cruz is focusing on all his efforts there. Is if he can stop uh, Trump in Indiana, then he will most likely stop Trump from getting the 1237. And this really isn't just about numbers. And I, I agree with everything that Ron said that you know this is you know what about me, DC? Statistically, with anything for that I say? Trump to get 1237. <laughs> but there's, a, there's also a principle here that Cruz, and I can speak for Cruz in this and, and his supporters, that they're fighting for is that it's about the principle. Who is the best candidate to lead this country in the right direction? And Cruz really believes that that's him, and his supporters believe that that's him. And 60% but, of Republicans. But don't you think all 17 candidate supporters believe the same thing? Yes, but 60% of Republican voters don't believe Trump is that person. Okay. But, but wait a minute. When you use that math, the, the math is even less for Senator Cruz, though. I mean, that's but an he, argument that kind, kind of comes back and, and boomerangs on you. Yeah. Not really, because he's the one who's left and that he has delegates now who, he, who want to support him. And that he's making his case to them that he's the better. Right. But your percentage of general. win is, is dramatically lower than than 
Donald Trump and, and John Kasich is dramatically lower than Ted Not Cruz. Not on that second ballot. That's when the second ballot will have to be decided by those delegates because they're the ones who will ultimately decide on that second ballot who the best candidate is. And this is what we're talking about. This is a choice about who is the pre- best person to bring conservative But the American people, necessary. the Republican Party and the voters, by millions of votes disagree with what you just said. Now, I know you believe that with all your heart, and I know Ron. Ron is one of my best friends, and he supports uh, uh, John Kasich. I know he believes it with all his heart, and Michael believes it about his candidate with all his heart. But the reality is people have voted in this election and these caucuses and primaries, and they look at it very differently. Sean, what they don't realize, the, the Kasich team and the Cruz team, their, their act, which in, you know, in law would be collusion. I mean, any other industry that would do this other than the Washington insiders would have a real serious problem. And this is, this is collusion at its best. The bad part for, for the Cruz-Kasich matchup here um, versus Donald Trump is that they're going to lose which is just going to make them look even worse, because the truth is, for the first time, America has a candidate who's standing up for the American people. And now the American people, for the first time, have a voice, and it's resonating throughout Washington. And it's unfortunate that the Washington insiders, who are petrified that Donald Trump is going to come in because he's going to do what's right, not for himself, like the standard politician, but for the American people. You know, they always say that the the real poison of politics is money, fame, and power. Trump already has all three of them. So if you call him and he picks up the phone, it's not because he owes you anything. It's because he's going to need to do what he needs to do. Let me ask an important question. America great again. Let me start with Ron Christie. At the end of this process, there's only going to be mm-hmm. one candidate. What I am most afraid of is that uh, if you watch Twitter, if you read Twitter, if you read Facebook, if you read any social media, I mean, you and I are friends. I don't care who you yeah. support. Well, I'm, you're right. my friend. That's a, I, I don't know D.C. well, but I've learned to like D.C. McAllister a lot. Right. You know, I've known Michael Cohn for years. I, um, I can respect that other people have different points of view, but I'm really worried that at the end of this process that this is going to be a divided party with a schism and that there's, there's going to be nothing but, you know, th- this whole never Trump, never Cruz, all this nonsense that's going on is not going to be resolved before November. And that's going to lead to Hillary Clinton being Look, president. Y- you and I agree 100 percent on this. All three of these gentlemen who remain in this race have got to unify. It's not I need to never Trump or I need to never Cruz. No. It's we need to never allow Hillary Clinton to go back. Never to Hillary. House. Never Hillary. Right. And however this process works out, if it's Donald Trump, I'm going to stand behind the nominee of my party. Mm-hmm. If it's Ted Cruz, I'm standing behind the nominee of my party because I do not want her back in that building. And if that's what it takes and Governor Kasich doesn't win, then that's what we're going to have to do. D.C., I, where are you on this? No, I agree. I, I want to be a, defeating Hillary as well. But my, my concern about Trump is that he has not proved himself to be a consistent conservative. I mean, even just this week, he sided with the Democrats in the North Carolina bathroom law. I'm from North Carolina. I don't appreciate that he no. turned on us that way. Precisely. The, the 
I actually interviewed him about that uh, last week, and I asked him about that, and he said the state should decide. What's your reaction to that? Well, the state did decide, and he criticized them for it, and he actually stood on the side of Hillary Clinton on that issue. And and voters in North Carolina came out and voted for Donald Trump. Evangelicals came out. People who have been fighting this bathroom issue here, and then they get turned on by their candidate. I mean, why are the candidates able to be betraying the people, but yet we can't change our votes at the convention? I mean, how is that consistent? No, no. Listen, those are within the rules. I, I, Michael Cohn, I think your position is that you think you're getting a 1237. What if the people that do support Ted Cruz and the people that do support Kasich still won't come on board or the establishment tries to sabotage it in some way, which would not shock me? What then? Well, that's exactly what they're doing right now is they're sabotaging their own party. They're sabotaging, uh, you know, the Republican, the Republican Party. And this, and of course, they're trying to sabotage Mr. Trump's campaign. When he turned around, he said it's for the state to decide. Well, that's his position on it. It's for the state to decide. All right. Quick last uh, word, uh, Ron. Look, I think Mr. Trump does not have a majority of support of the Republican Party. I think Mr. Trump is in a spot where he very well could get the nomination, but I think it's not going to be before we get to July. I think we're going to have a contested convention, Sean. And anything can happen. Guys, thank you all for being with us. Really appreciate it. You know what's sad? You know what this election is about in part? I don't care who you support. There is literally now one in five families in the United States, 20 percent, where no one in the family works at all. That's 20 percent. Now, what have I said about the unemployment rate and how phony those numbers are and how they only use Washington, D.C. calculators? Well, this backs up everything I've been telling you. 81,410,000 families in the U.S. in 2015... Of those 16 million and 60,000 families have nobody that's employed, or 19.7%. Oh, but the unemployment number's going down. The unemployment number's going down. There's talk that, in fact, those 28 pages may be finally released. In other words, that might implicate the Saudis in the 9-11 terrorist attacks against our country. That'll be interesting. I feel so bad for Kurt Schilling... Oh, Kurt Schilling raised the question of transgendered bathrooms. Now he's fired from ESPN. Oh, isn't that nice? Remember the um, the great role model, Beyonce, as described as a role model, friend of Barack and Michelle Obama? Oh, the role model is now smashing uh, to smithereens, you know, different sets that she's on. Isn't that a great, remember Beyonce, better role model? President Obama said at a fundraiser, fundraiser, she couldn't be a better role model for my girls because she carries herself with such class and poise and has so much talent. Oh, the Beyonce that just did the anti-cop video, that one? Do you really want your daughters dressing like Beyonce? I don't think so. Or any rock and roll star for that matter. Or any pop culture figure for that matter. Anyway, the president, you know, our new video uh, from the uh, visual album Lemonade shows the queen of pop smashing dozens of cars and other objects to smithereens with a baseball bat. Oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that great? What a great way to raise your kids. There was in the Daily Mail, I know a lot of people talked about Prince. I, You know, I don't know what to say when you have another superstar die from a drug overdose what can you say is you know if you repeat the behavior of 
people that continually die from drug overdoses, don't be surprised that there's going to be another one. 60 Minutes last night did another piece on the heroin epidemic in Ohio among children. They had this whole board of names of kids that are dead from heroin. And most of these kids start apparently with like Oxycontin and Percocet and Vicodin and all these pain pills. And then all of a sudden they get addicted because it's so overprescribed. And then after they become addicted, they can't afford the 80 bucks a pill that it costs on the street. And so they go to the cheaper and better, quote, high of heroin. And then these kids are all dying because these, you know, they have no clue what's in the in what they're buying off the streets from these drug dealers. And they're all dying. Anyway, Prince's former drug dealer, according to the Daily Mail, told how the legend spent $40,000 at a time for the drugs that he was taking, including fentanyl patches. I don't even know what the hell. I don't know what any of this is in my entire life. Now, I do take a fair amount of Excedrin extra strength in the course of my day. I have a pretty stressful life. And actually, one works. I take one. I don't take two unless I really have an awful headache. But as soon as I feel a headache coming on, I take one Excedrin extra strength or migraine Excedrin. All right. It works for me. Cup of coffee, maybe a Coke, a little caffeine does the trick for Hannity. I've never taken a Vicodin. I've never taken a Percocet. I've never taken an Oxycontin because I know too many people, doctors, lawyers, professional people. They go for surgery and they come out drug addicts. It's horrible. And yet per capita in, in uh, not Cleveland, Columbus, Ohio, they had a report. They're giving out 600 some odd per capita Oxycontin pills for every person in the in the population in the city. We're creating a nation of drug addicts and I'm not against drugs. Drugs can say lower our blood pressure, lower our cholesterol, uh, anti-rejection drugs. If you have some type of, you know, tr- if you have got kidney transplant or whatever, you know, drugs take away pain. Good. That's fine. You're you're dying. You get your morphine drip and you die from your morphine drip. Nobody ever tells you that's what it does. It literally depresses your breathing to the point you die and you're wiped out. Oh, no, no, we're just controlling pain. B.S. They're not controlling. You see here somebody's on a morphine drip? That's on a death drip. That's what I call it. Anyway, so, I mean, is it any surprise? If Prince is spending $40,000 at a time on drugs, you can pretty well predict he's going to die at some point. It's sad. It's tragic. I was never a fan of his music. I don't want people, anybody, dying of a drug overdose. Look at Michael Jackson, the weirdo that he became. It sits, you know, with a little milk and cookies, and and I lay him in bed and tuck him in, and we light a fire. It's charming. It's charming. The whole world ought to do it. Really? I need a little milk to go to sleep. Propofol. That's the stuff that they give you when I've had a colonoscopy. I swear, no. They literally, you count to five. They stick this thing in your arm. Five, four, three, boom, out. Next thing you do is you wake up, and I'm telling well, did I... Did I did I have anything in there? Was it clean? Any polyps? That's what I'm screaming at the doctor. 
But when you say bed, bed. you're thinking sexual. Sexual. They make that sexual. No. It's not sexual. It's not. We're going to sleep. Sleep. I tuck them in. Tuck them in. Put, I put a little music on. Music. Into a little story time. I read story. a book. Read a book. It's very sweet. Put the fireplace on. Give them hot milk. Hot milk. Cocoa. And we have little cookies. It's very charming. Charming. Very sweet. Sweet. It's what the whole world should do. What's wrong with sharing a love? You don't sleep with uh, your kids or some other kid who needs love? They're not your kids! Oh. What, what, what happened? How many times have you heard me say on this program? This is probably the oddest thing you'll hear from somebody that's in the public eye. Fame is not, is not, I repeat, is not healthy. Just isn't. It's not natural. It's not healthy. You become entitled. Your ego becomes massive and out of control. Why are you smiling at me like I'm the, the guilty party here? Don't even start. You know what you know what prevented me from from becoming a total nutcase? Is number one, two decades of real work. All right? Hands on contracting, hands on restaurant work. And the other thing, although I'm not the best Christian, I don't like to preach Christian, but knowing that Jesus exists. It's the only thing that keeps me on the straight and narrow. I'm guilty Irish conscience. And that's it. Otherwise I'd be in deep, deep trouble. Every day, like I was as a kid. All right, let's get to our phones. Helen is in Kansas City, Missouri, KMBZ. What's up, Helen? How are you? I'm fine, Sean. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? How was your uh, Friday golf game? How did you know I was playing golf on Friday? Because I was listening all last week when you weren't there not working. So Dr. Loudon gave up that I was playing golf on Friday? That's what they did, yeah. You know, I actually play more in my backyard because I don't have enough time to play. I know that mm-hmm. sounds stupid, but, you know, it takes like, even if you go at 7 in the morning, which is the only time I want to play because I can't stand waiting at every hole. It's awful. Shocking. So, yeah, I know. So I go, I want to race through. I can finish around in two and a half hours. It's shocking that you don't like waiting. No, I hate, I am very impatient. I, I can't believe it. Well, I, I know, it's shocking, right? That yesterday when the news came out about Bill Cook not wanting to support Trump or Cruz, and, and that Hillary might make a better president, I kept thinking, I'm in a nightmare and I won't wake up. Although I kind of, well, I don't agree about Cruz because I can't stand him anyway. And then I woke up this morning and heard about this alliance between Kasich and Cruz. And I remember thinking, I'm not in a nightmare. I'm in an alternate reality. Look, I don't think there's any doubt. Look, the bottom line is, look, nobody's won. Trump is the the he is the leader by far right now. Tomorrow is going to tell a very big part of the story. In other words, does he have a, a very good shot of getting to twelve thirty seven? By all indications and polls, he's expected to have a good day tomorrow. And I think you know the mission of many is to prevent him from getting to twelve thirty seven. Yes. And I even believe this. I'll take it a step further. I believe there are Republicans that hope and pray. That whether it's Cruz or Trump, that they lose because establishment Republicans want to be able to stick their middle fingers in the face of the voters and say, see, we're smarter than you. And there and there will be people in the Republican establishment that will sabotage whoever the candidate is. Oh, exactly. I absolutely believe that. But you know what? The bottom line is you get to decide. It's we the people. All right, Helen, thank you. Appreciate it. Nick is in Oregon. Nick is mad at me. What's up, Nick? How are you? 
John, I'm hardly mad at you. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Thank um, you. I've been following your discussion on a delegate issue. Yeah, I'll take it off, Speaker. You've got to take it off. We're here getting an echo. Go ahead. Sorry, I'll try that again. Yeah. I've been following your discussion on the delegate issue, and I believe your motives are honorable and true, but I'm convinced they're helping you further the divide between the Trump supporters and all of us who support candidates, another candidate in the race. I realize you've got a valid point that it would be less confusing for the average voter to have all the states choose from a couple of primary models. I think that's genius. Well, I said primary or caucus. I said right. I said proportional or, or winner-take-all. Everybody knows the rules ahead of time. And I said I think every delegate should be bound because, at least on the first ballot, because they should represent the people at least once. I And I absolutely agree with you. But from a person that supports another individual in the, in the race, I just think we should postpone it at this point. And it might encourage Trump to tone down the rhetoric. What are you eating for lunch, by the way? It sounds like you're eating. I was. You caught me with my mouth full. I'm sorry. It's a taco. Is it delicious? Is it is it is it Taco Bell? So you're on. You're eating tacos. You're having. You're on the speakerphone, and you know this isn't a very good call because of that. But go ahead. You keep going. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm incompetent. I didn't. I wasn't (laughs) counting on you. No, it's fine. No, don't worry. I love tacos too. Don't worry about it. Yep. Anyway, I just think. That if we would postpone the discussion, especially from a man of, I mean, you've got tons of listeners, it might encourage Donald Trump to tone down the rhetoric and help voters supporting other candidates should he become the nominee, that it make, would make it easier for us to vote for him. Because, I'm, yeah. quite frankly, not you, I'm getting tired of listening to him cry of a rigged election. And then you combine that with his name calling of other delegates, supporting men and women using the bathroom of their choice, supporting single-payer universal health care, higher taxes on the wealthy. Well, you're wrong on the health care issue because I've interviewed him a bunch of times. Listen, I don't care who you vote for. I really don't. I know. The only thing that I think I learned in the last week that really troubles me about the delegate issue is that if you want a delegate to switch on the second ballot, guess what? You can pay for the airfare. You can pay for their hotel. You can take them out to expensive steak dinners. I don't like that at all. Or tacos, in your case. A taco, I think, would probably do it for you. And uh, Thank you. But I don't like that part of it. And my job is to tell the audience everything that I know. And that's all I'm doing. Anyway, I appreciate You go eat your taco. Put a little salt and a little... I like hot sauce on mine. I hope you like a little hot sauce on there. Maybe a little Tabasco. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear 
and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.